Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is using Adventure Church to speak into your life. If you would like to support Adventure Church financially, you can do so online and help us bring messages just like this one to you each and every week. Now let's prepare our hearts to hear a word from God. Right. Well, we are going to be continuing on with part four of our winning series and the final message in the series. And today, because of the sake of time, I have no time to recap. And so go watch it online, okay? But I promise you, this series will be very beneficial to your life, to your year, uh, and to what God is doing in our church. But we've been talking about how do we make sure to win in the areas that matter most in our relationship with God, with each other, with our kids. And uh, just talking about how do we really build our lives in a way that when our lives end and we give an account to God uh, for the way we're going to live our life, uh, the way that we have lived our life, that we will be able to say we won. Not that we were perfect, but we did our best and invested our best where it mattered most. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. A little context here. This is Jesus teaching. And about halfway through the chapter, he starts talking about broad is the road that leads to destruction. And he says many people take it. And we've been looking at the scoreboard that that we look to to determine whether or not we're winning in our lives. And there's a scoreboard that the world has, and there's a scoreboard that God has. And according to the world, if you can get power and possessions and money and and the position that you want in life, that but that'll be winning. And, and Jesus here is saying that that many take that road, and it says, and eventually it leads to destruction. And he says, narrow is the road that leads to life, and few really find it. And then verses 15 through 20, and he, he talks about then as, as we commit our lives to him, that you can judge a tree by its fruit. That when we commit to follow Christ, that there should be evidence in our life, in the fruit of our life, in the way that we live, that show that we have chosen the path to follow Christ. And he goes on to then discuss the difference between really knowing God and through relationship and really what I would say the, the difference between just believing and surrendering our lives to God. Many believe, many can even confess, but few, the scripture is saying, Jesus said, will really actually surrender their life and allow it to be built upon Jesus. And he says, Jesus warns us that there's a danger just from just confessing with our lips but not making him Lord of our lives. And a confession is, that is merely verbal is inadequate. It's not enough, according to Jesus, and he expects that we submit to him as Lord. And then picking up in verse 24 of Matthew, it says this, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, what I was just talking about, his teaching, and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew, blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house. And listen, it says, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is saying here that God's will is that his word be heard in such a way that it be done. That his word moves from our head to our heart and it becomes transformational in the way that we live our lives and what we build our lives upon. And Jesus is saying that we are to build our life upon him, his will, his ways, his words, his values, and winning according to his scoreboard. He says those are the wise people. I brought 
some Jenga blocks out here today. Anybody play Jenga before? Any, any Jenga fans? Okay. So Jenga, the key, right, is to make sure that as it goes up, the foundation is strong. And you have to be careful when you're playing Jenga that you don't move too many foundational pieces too soon. Otherwise, what? It will fall over. And what Jesus is saying here is that Jesus needs to be the foundation. Our life is made up of many different pieces and things, but the, the, the solid part of our life, the, the foundation of our life has to be built upon Jesus because storms will come. Jesus uses this illustration because he knows it's just going to be a natural part of life, that, that storms will come, and storms are what differentiate us from anyone else, right? Those are the things that show whether we are a true follower of Jesus, whether, whether we are pursuing him, or whether we've built our lives on something else. Christians are revealed in moments of crisis, and when the storms and the trials of life come, the foundation of our lives will be uncovered. I've been doing this thing called ministry and leading for a decent amount of time now, and I've seen this play out. I've seen people who I thought were solid, a storm comes and it reveals that their foundation really wasn't as strong as I thought it was. They throw in the towel and they quit. This is too hard. This isn't what I expected. Why would God allow this to happen? Why is this happening, right? It reveals our true character. It reveals what our lives are built upon. And he goes on, he says, when you build on a on a foundation, anything other than me, it will come down with a crash. And so what tends to happen in our culture is no one intentionally builds their lives on a shaky foundation, right? You would never do that. You never go, yeah, I'm just going to build my life on this, and I know it's going to crash at some point. It's going to happen. But it happens all the time. People, good, God-fearing, people who want to pursue God, who have a desire to do that, right? They, they set out with the foundation to say, I'm going to build my life upon Christ. But what happens is, is the world comes and says, no, this is, God's way of winning isn't the only way. You should win this way. And they, they take a piece out and, and they, they move it over and they go, my foundation isn't just on God, but it's also on my finances. And it's also on my kids and how well they do and how well they succeed. And I'm just recapping things we've already talked about in the series. And I don't really need to, to spend all this time in my relationship with God. I don't need to be in a life group. I don't need those things. And what begins to happen is the foundation begins to teeter. And we slowly, even sometimes unknowingly, are moving the pieces of our life in a way and Jesus says what happens is when you've done this and you think you're, you may be even be steady and strong, but then a storm comes and you begin to crash. And I've seen it play out in many people's lives. I'm sure you've seen it play out in people's lives too because they've bought into the thing. Uh, I use this example a lot because it's so uh, easy to understand, but when the stock market crashed in the 1920s, literally guys, well, on Wall Street, I need to put that foundational piece back in place, right? But guys on Wall Street, literally the stock market crashed and they jumped out of the buildings. They literally go, I have no hope. My money's all gone. I'm out. They built their lives upon their resources. So when their resources were gone, it was gone. And we can put our lives, not just in our money, we can put all of our hope in a marriage. And then the marriage falls apart. 
and our life is over. We put all of our hope in our kids and then they rebel and our life is over. Like our foundation was built on something that God never intended to be built on. God forbid ever something ever happens to me, but I want my, my wife's life to be built not on me, but on Jesus. Because if something happened to me and I'm gone, he never leaves. He's always there. He's always stable. He's always secure. So we build our lives upon Jesus and Jesus gives us all of these warnings throughout the whole chapter. You go this way, it leads to destruction. Your life doesn't bear fruit. He says your life will be thrown away. It's useless. It's burned up in a fire. This is Jesus talking. He says you build your life on anything other than me, it will crash and fall. Crash and burn. So what have you built your life upon? Who are you building your life upon? What is the foundation of your life? Because Jesus tells us storms are going to come and they will reveal what your foundation is. But will you stand strong or will your life crash? I've been praying for this year, I do it every year, about God, what would the focus be for my own life but then for our church? And I always try to narrow it down to a word. I believe less is more. Anybody else? Too many goals, I try to just narrow it in. And I really felt over and over again, just as I was praying, that God just kept bringing this word fortify to mind. Fortify. When you look at fortify, it means to strengthen, to solidify. One definition says to strengthen a place with defensive works so that it can protect it against attack. That we fortify our lives, that we fortify this foundation that we're building upon. And today I want to talk to you about three areas that we are fortifying in as a church as we kind of discuss the the state of the church, where we're at, where we're going, and how this applies to you and your life. But, But I really want all of us to fortify the foundation of our life and of our church. And the foundation always has to be Jesus. He has to be the one that we build our church upon, that we build our lives upon. In 1 Corinthians 3 Verses 10 through 11, it says, because of God's grace to me, this is Paul talking, he says, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than what we have already laid. And that is the foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, we're building upon the foundation that Paul laid over 2,000 years ago that the church has been built upon this foundation. It's solid. Colossians 2, it's not on, in, in your notes today, but as I was preparing, uh, this scripture came to mind again, and this is Paul again teaching a different church that he planted, and he says, and now, just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him, and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong, in the truth that you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. First Peter chapter two gives this description of Christ as the, the cornerstone of our lives. Prophesied in the Old Testament that God was gonna raise up this cornerstone in, in ancient building practices. The cornerstone was the principal stone that was placed at the corner of the building, the largest stone, the most solid stone, and the most 
carefully constructed of any in the building because it determined the foundation of the rest of the building. It determined the strength of the building. And scripture describes Jesus as the foundational cornerstone that our lives are to be built upon, that our church is to be built upon. And as we reflect this year as a church, you need to ask yourself, is my life built upon Jesus? Is he the foundation? When a storm comes, will I be safe? Will I be secure? If my money's gone, if I get laid off, if my marriage falls apart, and we're going to talk about how we can make sure that doesn't happen next month. But when these things happen, when life happens, when sickness comes, when, when a tragedy strikes, will my life be secure? And then as a church, we have to ask the same question. Is our foundation strong? The only way it can remain strong is to be built upon Jesus. And we believe that we have uh, the, the responsibility to take on the mission that Jesus had. He said he came into this world to seek and save lost people. Jesus made it very simple for us. Jesus, why did you come? I came to seek and save those who were lost, to offer them life and life to the full. Our vision here, we say it like this. We want to help people discover new life in Christ. We want to help people discover what life in Christ is about to engage a culture who's living outside of God's plan, who, who don't know that he needs to be the foundation and, and to create a relevant place where they can experience and encounter his grace and his mercy and to, to surrender and to equip them to a place where they can live to their full potential in Christ, empowering them to fulfill the purpose that he has created them for. We believe that and we've seen that happen and we have these core values that, that we accomplish this vision through and they're on our wall and we talk about them all the time and today as we kind of recap what happened last year, I just want to remind you of the foundational stones of our church, that Jesus is the foundation and then we build our lives and our vision and our mission upon that. We believe following God is fun. Can I get an amen? Listen. I'm not trying to dog any other church. Everybody does it differently. But we've created a place where we believe that you can have fun, where we do days like today. Isn't it nice to worship with the smell of popcorn in your nose, right? Come on, somebody. Right? Isn't it nice to have fun, to do fun things? Because God is fun. We call it Adventure Church because we believe if you really surrender, if you really make God the foundation of your life, it won't be boring, it won't be restrictive, it'll be freeing, it'll be adventurous. If you live palms up, surrendered to God, he's led me all over the country, I've been to different parts of the world, teaching, proclaiming his truth, it's an adventure. It's fun. We're a youth group for adults. If you like that, keep coming back, right? That's what we are about. So we do things. We do these events. We, we put on big events that hopefully will draw people into a place where we kind of shatter their perception of who God is and the plan that he has for our life. We, we do these events throughout the year. The, the egg hunt, 3,000 people came last year. 10,000 people come to the parade annually that we run. Almost 1,100 people at Easter. Over 1,300 people came at Christmas. And we do these things, and we're creating a place, not just so we can have crowds, not just so we can draw numbers, but because we want to help people know that following God is fun. And if you surrender your life to him, it'll be the greatest adventure you ever have. We believe life is better together in groups. That you need to get out of a row into a circle. That when the storms come, you better have Jesus, but you better have some other people with you too. 
who can support you, who can get face to face with you, encounter, uh, keep accountability in your life, right? It's so important that you get in a group. It's so important that you have community. We believe to keep Christ as the foundation of our life, a group is essential to that. Last year, we had over 250 adults actively engaged in a life group. That's amazing. To see people building community, to see their groups around them. We've had people who went through very difficult things last year, and their group are the ones who showed up for them, supported them, loved on them. We believe everyone can reach someone. We talk about this value of inviting people to our church. We do days like today. We call them show up Sundays where you never, you don't want to miss yourself, and you want to make sure you bring someone with you, that you're inviting others to encounter God. Last year at our church, we had 554 First-time adults, those are those who filled out cards. That's the only way we can track this. 418 first-time children, 180 first-time families came through our doors last year. First service thought that was something to cheer about, but I guess you guys don't, don't think so. 195 people gave their life to Jesus last year at Adventure Church. That's 736 people since we launched our church. 45 people were baptized last year. That's 110 plus, including if we add today since we started our church. The people, yeah, we would praise God for that. These are lives that are being changed because of this place. And so it's a foundational piece that we are inviting others to experience what we're experiencing. We believe you can't outgive God. And so we challenge people to invest. And as we are laying the foundation literally for our future, right, where we're investing. Last year, we had a goal through our next commitment to raise $2.5 million to purchase property and to, to push our vision even further into the future. And $2.7 million was raised last year and committed, not raised, committed. <laughs> I wish it was raised. Uh, committed. To, to the next two years where we're seeing that happen. Last year, our budget for the year, and we'll have an annual report that we'll put available online with all of these numbers in a couple weeks, and, but, but we brought in $1.13 million uh, last year in income for our church. 100, 102,000 of that was given away. We gave that away. 10% of our budget goes out the doors to church planning, our partners all over the world. We have 25 plus partners now that we support and that we give to. Locally, we have them on a national level, on a global level. We have about, I think, 15 missionaries now who live all over the world that you guys are supporting, that we're supporting and investing in. And so we're seeing God do great things financially. Just to give you some perspective, when we started our church five years ago, our first year's annual budget was $150,000. And so we're seeing God do miraculous things and preparing us for our vision. If we break down our funds, because I know if you're like me, you kind of want to know where is it going. And again, we'll have all this available for you. But 20% of that, of those resources went to our church operations. Those are our ministries, our programming, everything we do as a church. Uh, 10% of that, again, went to mission and outreach. When outside of these walls, we help plant churches, all these different things. 10% of that money goes to our facilities. And so paying the electric bill, paying our rent, all of those things. Personnel, uh, our salaries for our staff was 20% of the resources. And then this is the coolest thing. Over 40% of our money went into savings for our future, for land, right? That's amazing. That, that our executive leadership team, that we've created a budget. Now, we got to make some hires this year, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. And, and, but the average church, their, their personnel budget is between usually 40 and 
and we were at 20. And we're not, you know, again, we're not making them live on saltines and, you know, tuna fish either. Like, like we're, we're paying the, the rate that we should pay our staff and all those things, and we need to make some key hires. But, but we are concerned about the future. We don't just live for the present. We believe faith requires action, and we, we challenge you to be involved and in the game and winning with us. And, and we last year had 315 active adults serving on a team at our church, which is awesome. Again, these statistics, if I could bring perspective to other churches, I have time to do that, what other churches do and the involvement that they have and what God's doing here. It truly is a move of God that we're experiencing here. Most churches are stagnant or in decline. The average church plant that we planted our church, if you're new, five years ago, a little over five years ago, we started this church. The average church plant is still under 100 people five years in. And we'll have over 700 people here today coming to our church, experiencing life, being a part of that, right? Amazing to see. And so we're gonna continue to fortify the foundation of our church. And it's built upon Jesus, it's built upon his mission, and that's what's gonna lead us into the future. But I also wanna talk to you about fortifying your family. Our family as a church and your family at home. In Ephesians 2, 19 through 21, it says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. He's talking to the Gentiles, people who weren't Jews. That's you and me. He's saying God invited you into his kingdom, into his family. He says, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people, the Jews. You are now members of God's family. Look at your neighbor and say family. Together we are his house built on the foundation that the apostles and the prophets laid, the foundation of Jesus. And he is the cornerstone. And we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. What an awesome description of this family at Adventure Church. And so we wanna fortify, we wanna strengthen our family. It's why people come here, because they say, I need a family. I feel like I belong here. We say, welcome home. You fit, you belong. Doesn't matter what you believe, how you behave, where you came from, what you've been through. This is a family that you can belong to here. And so we wanna fortify and strengthen that. And this year, we wanna do that through prayer and fasting. We've done this the last few few years. Tomorrow, we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting. There's uh, information available to Connect Center. You can buy, get the packet. We've printed some of them out. It's also all online and available to you. But there's something special when a church comes together and begins to pray and fast together to say, God, we want to strengthen ourselves. We want to fortify ourselves. We want to commit ourselves to you. And Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and restore their land. Jesus in Matthew 6 made the assumption that his people would fast. He said, and when you fast, and then he explains how to do it, and he says, and when you do that, your father will see everything you do and will reward you for your commitment to him. There's a lot going on in our world right now. There's a lot of things happening politically in our world. And I try to remain very neutral when it comes to political things because I recognize at a church of our side, you may identify and have different political views and beliefs as me. But hopefully we have one common belief and that is Jesus and his word. Scripture, biblical. I've made some statements publicly this week. I'm not ashamed to talk about it with with what's happening with abortion in our country. First, I wanna say this. If you've experienced that in your family, if you've personally gone through it, let me say this. God's grace is available for you. 
He loves you. He forgives you. He can restore you. He can redeem you. He can redeem your mistakes. He can redeem your past. This is nothing to do with individuals, but it has to do with the overall view. Scripture is very clear that we as God's people should be a voice for the voiceless that we should protect those who are endangered and injustice. That's why we support Heartbeat International. We give them money every year. We support them and we send money to them. They support pregnancy care centers. We're not just saying, hey, there's a problem. We're part of the solution. We wanna help women who are in a situation where they would choose abortion over life, right? So we support them. We support other organizations that are helping and supporting, being a place where they can come and do that. So this has nothing to do with the individual and it's definitely not political, but it is biblical. It's a biblical issue, the value of life, and we need to be the voice. But here's the deal. You use your voice, use it in a way that's bathed in God's grace and his truth and his mercy, the way Jesus taught, and you should do that. Vote your values, all those things. When it comes to politics, we've talked about that here before, but here's God's instruction. If your land is struggling, if you feel like the nation is going in the wrong direction, then if my people who are called by me, who are my people, will humble themselves, repent of their own sin, yank the plank out of their own eye, seek after me, I will hear them, I will heal them, I will restore their land. That's the promise of God. If his church wouldn't just post things and point fingers, but would actually do the hard work of praying and fasting and seeking his face, he says, then, you'll hear from me. So fasting is a church. Prayer connects us to God and fasting disconnects us from the world. And All that information is available. Fasting, social media, food, whatever it is, a meal here or there. You pick a plan that works for you, something that you separate yourself, that you weaken your spirit, essentially your, your flesh, so that your spirit can be strengthened. You can connect to God. And if you need a breakthrough in your life, If your marriage needs help, if your family needs help, if your career needs help, if your finances need help, Jesus said that there's only certain things that you're gonna get the breakthrough that you need when you pray and you fast in Mark chapter nine. And so if you need a breakthrough, fortify yourself, strengthen yourself through fasting and prayer. And as we do that as a church, I believe God is going to show up and he's gonna do something unique and special in our church this year, but also in your life. We need to fortify our, our families and our, our lives on Jesus, and then we need to fortify for our future. Right now, we're literally buying land. I was in a meeting this past week with uh, the company who owns the land that we've been uh, in the process with over the last few months of, of nailing down the details on the contract. I, the meeting went very well. Uh, we should be in contract this week, according to what happened in that meeting on the piece of property, so we can give God praise for that. But we're literally buying the foundation for our future. We're literally, this year, fortifying the foundation for our future, fortifying for our future. You see, fast growth is great. Our church is growing rapidly. But if we continue to grow on a foundation, then that's strong, it's gonna collapse just like this. And so we gotta fortify for our future. So right now as a church, all of our staff, all of our teams, we are literally changing all of our systems and looking at everything we do. And we said, hey, last year at this time, we were 500. What we did at 500 isn't gonna work at 750, where we are now. And over, if we keep growing the way we are, we're gonna be, have to add a four service sometime before we get into a building. Can I just warn you ahead of time, right? That's what's gonna happen because we're gonna keep growing. And so what we do at 750 won't work at 1,000. What we do at 1,000 won't do this. And eventually we're gonna move into a building. And when you statistics say, when we move into that building, we'll grow by 30% in the first few months. 
So we're literally fortifying all of our systems to make sure that when people come, they're not just a crowd, but they can get in community. So we're getting more, how do we get more life groups? How do we get more people involved? How do we make sure people are being ministered to and loved on? And so we have to lay the foundation for our future. Jesus knew, he was a carpenter, that if a house was going to withstand the test of time, that you couldn't just think about short term, you had to think about long term. Short term, build it as fast as you can, at the as lowest cost as you can, right? It's kind of like when you lease right now, uh, I'm driving a rental car. How many of you know you drive a rental car a little bit different than you drive your car? I got to drive over railroad tracks every day on my way to work. I don't slow down quite as much as I did when it's my own car. You know what I'm saying? You're like, boom, 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 boom. Kids are like, woohoo, this is fun, <laughs> Right? Because you treat it differently when you own it and when you're leasing it. And this is kind of what he's saying. You, you Short term, you get an apartment, you do this, you don't treat it quite the same way. But we're not building something just for right now, church. We're gonna build for the future. What we're doing right now is dependent upon the future. And Jesus was saying that smart, wise people have the foresight not to just see now, but to see the future, to see where you're going. And as a church, we know God has a big vision for us. We know that we're going somewhere special. And it's gonna take all of us together fortifying, strengthening ourselves, being involved, staying committed, staying uh, financially invested in next, staying, going through on our commitments, doing everything that we can because we realize we're not just building for us right now. Someday I will not pastor this church. Someday you will not be here. Your kids won't be here, but I know this. Someday this church will live beyond you and me. And we have an opportunity to invest in a foundational stage of a church that years now we're going to look back. You're going to go, I remember when we were in that building and three pipes broke this week. I'm over this building. (laughs) Three this week, frozen pipes. Right? I remember when we were doing this. I remember when I was trekking through snow and parking behind a storage shed. I remember when, right? We're building something for the future that our kids will be in, that their kids will be in, and that we have a, the, the long-term vision to say that we're building something that's gonna last beyond us and will be standing through all the storms of this country, through all the storms of this community, that it will be standing strong until Jesus comes back. That's what we're building. The band's coming. We're closing out. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let me encourage you with this today. Some of you have been building with us for a long time. Some of you, very short time. Some of you remember when we moved in here. Some of you remember when we were pulling trailers in the snow and de-icing locks so we could get our stuff out of a trailer and would spend three hours setting it all up for an hour and a half service and then tear it all back down and put it in a box until we did it the next week. Some of you have been here since then. Some of you remember when we moved into this building and you were helping rip up carpet and paint walls and building this and renovating, right? We've all come in at different stages and this is how Paul encourages the the church in 1 Corinthians. He says, therefore, my beloved brother and sisters, and today I could say that, my brothers and sisters, this is our family. This isn't just my thing, this is our thing. Brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable. Your foundation is Jesus. Be steadfast when the storm comes. Be immovable on him. It says, always excelling in the work of the Lord. Always doing your best and doing more than is needed being continually aware that your labor, even to the point of exhaustion, 
And some of you have been in this a long time and maybe you're tired like me some days. It says, but even when you get tired, that you know that what you're doing for the Lord is never futile nor wasted. It is never without purpose because your foundation is him. Your career, it'll come and go. Your money, it'll come and go. Everything besides people, it's the only thing that's eternal. And it says, so focus in, give your best. This is how we win. When we give our best where it matters most, give your best to your marriage, to your kids. Think long-term, not just short-term. Build for the future. Because you will get tired. You will want to give up. But when you remember why you do it, and what happens when you do it, you realize it's never wasted. You see great teams that win. I'm not a Brady fan. He went to the the school that's north of us. He's won enough. Come on, can we just say that? He's won enough. But there was a quote this week. He said, listen, if you're going to play against me, he said, you better bring bring everything. You better be willing to give your life on that field. He said, because I've given mine. And he's recognized, arguably, as the greatest ever to play the position. And I thought about that this week. I think this is kind of what Paul was saying. He said, give everything and then some more. Good teams, those are the people. Those are the teams that win. They're everything and then a little bit more. Listen, you want to win in your marriage? Give everything and then some more. You want to win with your kids? Give everything and then just a little bit more. We want to win as a church. It takes everyone saying, I'm giving everything and then a little bit more. And God wants us, his church, to be a church of people that are everything and then some kind of people. Because that's how you really win. That's what he wants for you. That's what he wants for me. And it all starts with the foundation that you're going to build upon.